This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, back from Caxton Street, Nick Hampton. Hello. Yeah, so I have returned from the land of the Queenslander Mm. and learned nothing along the way because they had nothing to teach me because I can't get origin. You you were like a, a mule with a spinning wheel. Yep. Nobody yeah. knows. Nobody knows how I got it, and dang, do I know how to use it? Yes. Um. So obviously, I did jump on with our good friend Harry Ramage last night. We did a rapid origin recap straight after the game, but uh, now we've had so just twenty four hours to digest it more. And of course, you've had some experiences on the front line being there last night. So we will start with that before we get into the women's game, which I thought was outstanding tonight. What was last night like? Yeah, look, the, the lead up to the game was fantastic. Like the the, the great thing about Origin in Queensland, and, and and this is true of a lot of big footy games in Queensland, but it's especially true for Origin matches. It kind of takes over the city a couple of days out, you know, like, and and, and you see people around in the jerseys, and you and you and it, it it you really get a feel for it everywhere you go. It's all anyone wants to talk about. It's all anybody seems to really care about, and it really builds to a fever pitch by kickoff. And, you know, hanging out on Caxton Street before the game and watching the ground fill up and sort of feeling the crackle of the atmosphere in the minutes just before kickoff was all was all really, really special. Um, what was really disappointing, though, was was sort of the nature of the contest. And I thought you guys um, you guys dissected it pretty well on the show that went out um, on the night of the match. But I, I got to tell you, I, I came away from this one more pissed off after an origin game than I have been in a really, really long time. I thought New South Wales really, really let them let themselves down in the way they play it. I thought, and I'm someone who's, I've tried to be optimistic about them this year, you know, with the teams they've picked and the things they've gone for and, and all of that. And it all just kind of fell apart on them. It all sort of blew up in their face. And I, I've said on the show before that I probably I'm probably not as big a New South Wales fan as I used to be, just mm-hmm. because when you work in in footy, that can happen sometimes. You can lose some of the fandoms that you that you grew up with. But I must have more of it left in me than than I thought because it just really, really got to me. It got to me how they all seemed to play like individuals and, 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 and not as a team, you know, how they, 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 at no point did it feel like they were together. They were cohesive. They were one in the same way Queensland did, you know, the, 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 just the little things, the, the, the lack of second efforts, the, the lack of sort of playing without fear or hesitation, the, the inability to sort of really try stuff, you know, the, the really petulant way that they started lashing out when things went bad mm. It was just, yeah, it was, it was, it was as low a performance as I can remember from a New South Wales team probably since 2016, which was a very similar circumstance where the where Queensland won the first two games despite not playing that well. And I actually think that's the biggest knock on New South Wales. I, I think Queensland have excelled in moments over these first two games, but yeah. I, I wouldn't say that either of them were great performances on the whole. You know, they have they have outstanding individual efforts. And they all play together as a team. And then that's kind of been enough for them. Like, I don't think this Queensland team is anywhere near its ceiling at all. And they still do. And they still did it last night easily, absolutely easily, you know. And the Blues, to me, it feels like over the course of these first two games, the way they've played and the way they've reacted to the defeats and the way that the New South Wales public have reacted to the defeats, I think there's something really broken. 
yep. in the New South Wales origin setup. And I don't mean in the team. I mean everything, in the whole thing, to in, the way, in the way that the fans relate to the team, in the way that they support the team. It all just seems so fractured and so scattered. And what really stood out to me about Queensland last, last night was their unity and how together they all were and how every single person in the stadium from the team to, you know, whatever poor bastard flipped his rent money to try and get a seat in the back row. Every single person in Maroon was together and going for it. And, and New South Wales just doesn't have that. And, you know, there's so many things that New South Wales doesn't get about origin, but I actually think that's the biggest one, the lack of unity. And and you can see it when we lose, we tear each other apart. We kill each other. And that was happening that was that's been happening ever since game one, and it's just gotten worse and worse and worse, you know. And so, yeah, I was, I was I, like, it's always, it's always great to be able to go to these games mm. and all that. And it was, and some of the like the little moments, like when Walsh got sent off and was slapping his chest like that. That's Fantastic. something I'll remember. It was awesome. the rest of my life, like the way that the crowd was just showering him with with affection and love, and and, and you could see him becoming a Queensland superhero before your eyes. Like mm. it, it was amazing. I'll remember that forever. And then little things like being able to go in the sheds after the game and talk to a few of the guys. And those are always really, really special moments. But on the whole, I, 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 I thought New South Wales just totally let themselves down, you know, and they've got a long, long way back to, to sort of be the team that, that they can be and they should be. Yeah, I I, uh, I completely. You said a lot of things there. I'll try, try and respond to them as best as I can. But I think you nailed it completely. I think... Going back to it, the first thing you said with that team effort, the fact that, yeah, guys like Reese Walsh had great moments, but the fact that game one man of the match is Ruben Cotter, who just got through a mountain of work, and game two is game two man of the match is Lindsay Collins, who just got through a lot of work and put on a couple of big hits. It wasn't a series that Queensland have won through individual Bruins. It was a series they won just through not only just grit and grinder being tougher and being and, and being more physical, but also just waiting for New South Wales to make mistakes. And I think that that is such a telling part of this whole thing. I think that the individualism that you just highlighted on is their biggest problem. And I don't really know how they can fix it. I certainly don't think the current coaching regime is in any way capable of fixing it. And whilst there's still plenty of discourse around what the coaching situation is going to be next year. And I, you know, there's even been people saying that Brad Fittler should keep his job and it's not his fault and all that stuff. But just watching that as a neutral, like, yeah, you were, you said you were angry. Even I was quite frustrated just because like, you know, I don't care who wins Origin and I bitch about how it disrupts the season and all that stuff. But when the game's on, I love watching it. I love watching a close Origin contest. There's few things better in sport. But it just felt like the game was over the moment that Damien Cook thing happened. It just felt like that was just the 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 nadir of like all these bizarre decisions that Brad Fittler has made over his tenure, be it selections, be it strategy, be it putting guys in different positions to what they should be playing. And, and that was it. That was That was the absolute low point of that whole thing and they were never going to recover from that and for me i just don't really know how on earth they could possibly run things back with 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 the the same people calling the shots as have called the shots for the last couple of years and on top of that you've already had discourse from people and this this predates yesterday by the way this this is something that people have said since before this series since you know even last year but like people going oh but he's the best option they have and it's like well are you sure about that? Are you sure that like anyone wouldn't be a better option at this point? Because like I said this to Harry last night on the show, but like not a single, I I don't care whether you're a fan who's never kicked a footy in your life. I've never met a single person who I've discussed rugby league with who would have thought that playing Damien Cook in the centers was a good idea. So if you're telling me that that guy 
who made that decision is the best option for this state, then I I, I would respectfully disagree with, 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 with that notion. And this, I, I, I do take your point about Queensland sort of getting, getting it and sort of being more together as a concept. But at the same time, I, I don't think they've ever had like, any coach, even Paul, even when it was Paul Green and they were frustrated with him, I don't think they've ever really had a situation like this where they've just been sideshow Bob walking into rake after rake after rake for five or six years now. I don't think that they've ever had to face sort of the sort of just absolute futility that has been this reign of of Brad Fittler. And I know they've won three series in that time, but yeah, that, that's I'm, gonna, team. I'm pushing back on you there, man. Like saying it's five or six years of abject failure. That's well, just no, I just that's no, just not true. Like two years ago. They put 50 on Queensland in Queensland. That's fine. That's, I think that's it's fine. pretty clear. I think it's pretty clear that Fittler was able to build something. And 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 to me, that's kind of the tragedy of what's happened to him is that when Fittler did come in, he was such a breath of fresh air and he was taking chances. He debuted 11 guys in his first game, you know, and he really gave New South Wales a sort of whole new outlook on origin the at a time when they were great. desperately needed. The first needed two years it. were fine. But you know, I, like... The- I, I the first that's, two years were great, the, but I think that the, the next sa- two, the next two, the, these last two that we've just had, have soured that legacy more than those first two did anything great for it, in my opinion. I don't know about that. I wonder if that's recency bias. I think yeah. you're forgetting a little bit what a breakthrough series 2018 was, and I think you're forgetting like that 2019 decider. I know that wasn't the best Queensland team, but the nature in which New South Wales won that game, with, like the Blues should talk about that, like Queensland talk about the Mark Coin try. You know, but we don't, and that's part. That's part of the well, difference. Hang on. That's is it, part it, of the thing that also, we don't like. Get. I don't want to. I don't want to be churlish or myopic about this. But is it a breakthrough, or is it, or is it because Cameron Smith retired? Because that's when New South Wales suddenly started winning. It doesn't matter. They won. Mm. They won, and they won in dominant fashion. They won in do, in a fashion that as dominant a fashion as they had in thirteen years. That's, that's a really fine. Have they, at any point, in your opinion, in the past six years, had the worst team? Uh probably not. Yeah, right. So I would so I would say that winning half the games when you have the better team is a failure. Oh, I don't know about that. I just I don't well, I don't think I don't think the last two years wash out the good stuff entirely. I think fine. that's the I think that's that's the wrong way of looking at it. I think there's a bit of recency bias on that one. Well, that that's fine. I mean, I I I I don't think there is, but that's all right. We were allowed to disagree. For me, like I don't know. The, I I don't think that the I think that that taste, that bad taste started in when they lost the unlosable series in 2020. And yes, they got some of that back in 2021, but yeah, I think the last two years have been such a train wreck that it's going to make people look back on this whole era as, as one that could have been a lot better and should have been a lot better, dude. I'm sorry, but winning, it probably should have been, yeah. Winning three out of six series when you've had the better team each year is a, is in my opinion, a foul. And that's not recency bias because I'm talking about the six years as a whole, as one big block together. I'm saying that, in a time span where you've just agreed with me that they've had the better team over all of those series, over all of those series, they've had the better team and they've won half of them. That's not good enough. Well, he's going to get the bullet. So yeah. Well, I go. mean, that's the other question. And uh, I don't know if we have time to do this tonight, but where do you go? I know you and I have talked before about sort of like the fact that news ones don't exactly have the pool of like, former greats like Billy Slater, Cameron Smith and Jonathan Thurston to pull from, apart from the guys that are already kind of associated with the setup. Like it's not going to be Andrew Johns who's already associated with this setup. It's not. And, and then you look at other guys like Paul Gallon's not going to be doing this. And I, I don't, I don't think he has any interest in doing it, nor has he in my, has he ever coached anything? I'm not sure, but like, I think so. there's no, 
Like, who else is there? Like, I, I've joked before about James Maloney and the Morris boys, but honestly, like, what are they going to do? There's think... been a lot of chatter this week about Ricky Stewart. How would you feel about that? I actually think Ricky would be as good a choice as there is because at the very least he's someone play who, for him at the very that's the thing he can he can get a playing group up and he's extremely passionate about the blue jersey and that goes a long way in origin but i i think he'd have some of the same problems as freddie he'd have wacky selections he's had wacky selections when he was um in his two stints as new south wales coach mm. in the past you know he's bad he's not great with his bench he's better than he used to be but he's never it's never really been a strength of his so in terms of like a lot of options that are pretty uninspiring. I probably would go for Ricky because if you don't do that, you're looking at someone like Jeff Tuvey who hasn't coached a top level team in eight years now, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I do think that's part of the problem is that the, the, the way the Queensland players talk about Slade. So Slade has a brilliant footy mind. I think everybody understands that, but he, 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 he's been a hero to this entire generation of Queensland that's players true. as well. He only retired the five years ago. So they all remember watching him growing up. You know, and the the only guy, the last guys that the Blues have had like that, uh, Paul Gallen, who's not going to coach, Jared Hayne, who's in jail, and then before that, you go to Brad Fittler and Andrew Johns, and they've both retired, been retired near twenty years now. Like yes. if you're a, if you're a twenty year old in the same, even if you're Payne Haas, right, who's twenty five, he was seven when Joey played his last Origin matches. He might not yeah. even remember it. You know, so Someone... there's, this, there's this whole generational gap that the Blues have, and and we're, and we're really feeling the pinch of it right now. Like the long tail of the Queensland dynasty is now making itself really, really apparent. So I don't know where the Blues someone, go from here. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. Someone I saw today, apologies, I can't remember who wrote it, but someone tossed up Boyd Cordner with Hornby and Riles as his assistants. And I don't know if Boyd Cordner's ever coached anything, but he played a lot of games for him. I kind of like it. Why not? Well, that, that's the thing. Horn- Cordner's kind of been underground ever since he retired. Yeah, I was going to say, what has he much. done? He's not on the he, scene much. He was, on like, that, he was on SAS, the Channel 7. TV yeah, show. I know he's he's been he's been at like a a, a a sort of tangential part of the Blues setup, but had a lot of years under Trent Robertson, who was probably the best coach of the last decade. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah so, we're just throwing know. names out there. We're literally just, this is guys naming dudes preemptively. Yeah. So I don't Cut, know, to, man. To, I don't know three, what they do. There are three more really quick things before yep. we move on in. I thought one of the very few positives of the Blues was Payne Haas. Um, you guys didn't mention him on the on the rap show, so I want to get some in now. I thought this was his best origin game by miles and miles and miles. And if the Blues are to be successful in the future, Payne Haas has got to be a part of it. And I think this performance will be really, really key for him because this was the first time I thought that we saw Brisbane Payne Haas playing for New South Wales, you know, in terms of his work rate, his impact. He was running the ball two passes wide a couple of times like he does for Brisbane. His work on second efforts, like going back and chasing loose balls, was pretty remarkable. I felt really sorry for him when um, the for the Tabuai Fidel try, when he busted his ass to get back there and cover the kick from Murray Taolangi, and then just got a wicked bounce, and Tabuai Fidel was there. So if there, if you look, at, if you were looking for a silver lining from this game, it would be Haas. It would be Haas finding the best version of himself as a player under those hard, hard circumstances. Um, I really, really want to wrap Pat Carrigan as well. You guys talked a lot about Isaiah Yo on the on the review show, and I thought you were both quite perceptive about him. But I think he makes a really interesting contrast to Carrigan, where I think Carrigan has sort of mastered that balance between running and passing and offloading, and he just seems to make the right decision with it nearly every single time. Whereas Yo more often than not over these first two games has got it wrong, which is a really big rap on Carrigan because that's a balance Yo gets right in club level nearly every single week. 
And I, I like Haas was great on Wednesday night, and I think Haas is the best forward in the world. But on Wednesday night, I thought Carrigan looked like the best forward in in the game. I could not have been more impressed with him. And that's five games in a row now where he has just been lights out, absolutely fantastic, and leading from the front from Queensland. And he's so I, like I think he's kind of getting to that point now where everybody's so used to him doing well that we're not as surprised by it. We don't get around it as much, but. Walsh and Carrigan would have been my man of the match last night, maybe just behind Walsh, who, you know, you guys went into on, on detail, so we don't need to go there again. But then my very last thing on origin is going into this, this game three, right? Going into this dead rubber and some of the commentary around it, I think really sums up the bad place. New South Wales is in. I've seen a lot of people saying, Oh, it doesn't matter. I've seen a lot of people saying they don't want their people to get their players to get picked because it'll fuck up the back end of their season or whatever. And mm. to me, like that, that is like nails down a chalkboard for me because I know it's not as big as a game one. It's not as big as a game two, but part of the reason the blues don't get origin is because we don't treat every game like it's big. You know what I mean? Like there are blues fans who are saying, Oh, what's the point? What's the point? What's the point? It's like, if you look at dead rubbers in the past, right in 2021 for the Queensland dead rubber, Ben Hunt came back into the team one man of the match. And that got him to the to the point where he is now. That ensconced him in that team forever. So in a dead rubber, they found him. In the previous dead rubber in 2018, Daly Cherry Evans made his comeback after some years out of the side. One man of the match, played fantastic. Now he's captained them to three series wins. In a dead rubber, they resurrected Cherry Evans. And the dead rubber before that was 2016. The Blues debuted James Tedesco, their best player in the last 10 years. Dead rubbers are where you find the future. Dead rubbers are where you can build a future. You know, so for people to turn around and say, it doesn't matter, it doesn't mean shit, I don't want my guy to get picked in case he pings a hammy and misses three weeks or whatever. That's why Queensland get it. And that's why we don't, because we don't want our guys in there. You that's know, a great, that's a great point. Gets well, me to tears. Um, one more tiny thing before we move on. Why, like, just, I, I, don't, I don't, Harry and I didn't, we talked about the cook thing, but we didn't talk about the tactical reason for putting Crichton on the right. And then still just going left all the time where you had a makeshift guy playing center instead of just putting Crichton on the left. To me, it didn't well, make any sense. Well, but... you said the, the tactical reason. I don't think there was a tactical reason in there. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it was just a thing. It was just a thing that happened. Yeah, fair enough. And that's, I guess that's a big criticism of the Blues playing style over the last two series. Like things happen or they don't. And there's not much planning that goes into it, you know? Yeah. And Greg Alexander said today that they were worried about um, Cameron Murray. I'm trying try, to try find the quote right here. He said, I saw the quote. He said he was worried. They were worried about Cam Murray having to play more than like 70 minutes. So that's why they didn't put him out in the centers to begin with, to cover for the Trebojevic injury. And it's like, if there's, if you if, if there's a guy on the bench, there's always going to be a chance that there's going to be an injury and he has to play big minutes. And if you don't think you can do that, don't pick him. Either he's fit, either he's fit and he can do the job for you or he can't, you can't, you can't be half pregnant in this one, man. Like either he can come on and play the minutes he needs to play or he can't. And if he can't, he shouldn't have played. Yep. Completely agree. So, and look, if he, there are still, I mean, me and Harry had kind of had a theory that he's underdone and you know, we'll see what happens. I, I will see if he plays for South this weekend. I don't know, but um, yeah, just, just a weird situation. And yeah, we'll, we'll be, we'll have plenty more to talk about in men's origin in that third game. See where they go. Team selection will be very interesting. Particularly if New South Wales, I mean, Queensland's won't be all that interesting, I imagine. Uh, but Townsville tonight, uh, the Blues don't get Origin to the point, Nick, where they can win the game but still lose. 
I wanted them to win by eight so badly. Oh, man. It's just, um, well, the, the second they said that there was a two game series, this was always going to happen, right? It was always going to blow up in their face. They were always going to look dumb. Like, is there a single person on the planet who's satisfied by the result tonight? No. Nope. You know what I mean? Like the the the, the winning team looked up, looked incredibly upset and the losing team looked ecstatic. Like any scenario that brings you to that point is, is you know, if you followed the rules to get you there, what use were the rules? Yep. You know what I'm saying? I, I like, we'll talk about the game as a whole, but that finish, man, like what the hell were the Blues doing? The oh, the the, know, the bunker goes up at like sixty eight fifty, and like the so and then the try's given, and the goal doesn't get kicked until like sixty nine forty three or something. Yeah, so they celebrated big time, happy happy, and then Southwell took a wild kick the goal. It's ten meters out right in front, process. just fucking like, tap it over. What are you just doing? Just tap it over, and the, you know the, the weird part is this has happened to him before. In twenty twenty one, in the last game, um, the last game in Queensland. Before this one, the Blues were making sort of a big comeback late. And I think it was your mate, Bo Verdi Welsh. 2021 or it might have been 2022. It might have been. I been do vaguely I remember, remember what you are talking about. It was 20. It was 2020. It was 2020. Yeah. It was up at the sunny coast. And the Blues are down, I think, 24 to 14. Yep. Bo Verdi Welsh scores a try. They're down by six. So there's still a chance that they can come back and do it. But um, Boverty Welsh throws the ball in the air. They all come in and mob her and it just takes up time. It just takes up time. And instead of having a minute and a half to try and attack, they only have 30 seconds. So stupid. So like it, it happening twice in three years is a red flag. It's on somebody at some point. Either the team's not as well prepared as they should be or something else is going on. But you got to have more situational awareness than that. Yeah, I thought that this game was a lot higher quality than the first one. And I don't think there's any surprise in that everyone's less underdone than they were a few weeks ago. And I, I also thought that once again, New South Wales had the better of the running. They had they had more of the ball. They made more meters. But once again, their execution was just a little bit sloppy. I think it was two poor games in a row for Jesse Southwell. I don't think for Amono sort of pulled up any trees in the halves with her. I, I thought that their backline movements were not particularly slick for the most part. Um apart from that Pentatani try. And yeah, it just felt like more of the same to a little bit to to some extent of what we saw in game one, where they, again, like the men's team, had the field position to win this game, but the execution was just poor. And Queensland sort of just had one big burst where they got all their points. And the rest of the time, they just sort of, you know, held them at arm's length and that was enough. I'm very glad that when I'm not here, someone like Harry is able to cover the bases because... He's got, a, he's got a similar folksy charm. He's got a similar sort of like twang to his voice. And somehow he has he has got the, the powers of my curse too. Because for the second week in a row, the idiotic guest host said, oh, yeah, you know, I reckon Southwell's prime for a big one. And she just <laughs> had a shocker out there. She had a really, really tough one. You know, I, I wonder if like sort of the rapid nature of her rise has sort of caught up with her a little bit. You know, yeah. she is still just 18 and there is so much pressure on her because there's idiots like me running around saying she could be the best women's player of all we time. We did do that yesterday. Like, yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's it a, a lot, lot for a kid. It's a lot for a kid to deal with. And she still is a kid, you know, and she is the player of tomorrow, but tomorrow is not today. Today is someone like Taryn Aiken, who I thought was, was brilliant, superb in this game, you know, and who has, has improved so much over the last couple of years and was just 
playing straight and direct and testing the Blues with her running all the time, combining so well with Tasman Gray, who I thought was a great choice for player awesome. of the match and player of the series. You know, and they they clearly came into this game with a plan to target Southwell and to get at her and to try and unsell her, and that worked really, really well. You know, and I agree with you that the Blues' spine probably let them down a little bit. I probably expected a little bit more from Keely Davis, given how much experience she has compared to Southwell and Fui Mayono. I thought Fui Mayono looked likely at times, but she's not really an organizer. You know, and the Blues attack, they had enough ball to win this game, but they just looked so frantic at times, which is in such contrast to Aiken and Zahara Tamara, who just yeah. sort of took the chances when they came. I thought Tamara's kicking game in the second half was really good, helped release the pressure a couple of times. I thought her, her experience really shone through. And yeah, in the end, Queensland, they, they weren't great, but they did enough. They did enough and they've won the shield and no one seems all that happy about it because yeah. of the weird two-game split, but... I guess that's what we need to shine a light on it and try and get something going towards a third game, you know? Yeah. Well, look, uh, so before we move on real quick, Harry actually did a double curse because he also said at the end, just don't get injured, Yasmin, who then was, of course, unfortunately, the victim of that hip drop tackle right at the end. And I hope she's okay, but like, that is just brutal, brutal from from Harry the damage ramage. But yeah, dude, like... Well, they don't, they, don't call him, they don't call him the damage for nothing. That's right. The first thing I wanted from this game was a good game, which we got. I thought it was a good game and it was a much better game than the first one. Much better. The second thing I wanted... Well, I exa- I wanted Queen- I wanted like the Blues to be up by eight and Queensland to kick a field goal or I wanted someone to win on count back. But yeah. the next best thing is the Blues winning and no one being happy because the only way that... The, the quickest way to actually get change in this sport is to have like people being tangibly and visibly yeah. unhappy. With yeah, embarrass with embarrass the people that made the decisions and Correct. things might change. Because whoever... If Queensland had just won this game 14-12 or whatever, it, we'd probably just get another two-game series next year. But because mm-hmm. this has happened... And so many people, not just at the game, but watching on TV and talking about it on social media, all said, well, this is kind of shit because the team that, that this team lost and this team lost the game and they're not really happy, even though they won the series and this team won the game, that they're not really happy because they lost the series. Because that happened, we we might get some changes next year. And like really, like legitimately, it's it's an extra it's one extra fucking game. You can't say it's about like I understand we're not we're not the accountants of the NRL and um heaven help them if that ever gets to that point but (laughs) (laughs) we would do the hotel thing but we'd buy the aurora but um but um like it's one extra game and this this game pulled in nearly twenty thousand people i saw someone tweet have a have the games have the third game in newcastle they'd probably get twenty five thousand there like you can't tell me it's not going to make money and well it's it's on primetime channel nine as well it's not on gem or not on any of those bullshit channels it's on primetime channel nine free to air on a weeknight like how could an extra game not make you money well, I, I, again, that's, I don't know shit about money. I don't know shit about numbers. You guys all know this. You guys know, all know this by now. You money know talk. what I mean? I know the finger thing means the taxes. Right. And when people say money things, I just say money talk. That's, that's, that's all I got. Those are my two moves. Yeah. But there yeah. has to be some, there has to be some merit in, 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 in what you're saying. You know, I, I, would hope so. I, I saw um, Alicia Newton who works for NRL.com and is, is the best, the best writer on, on women's rugby league in the country by miles and miles and miles. She's way more knowledgeable than us. She's way more knowledgeable than everybody else. She made the good point of a men's dead rubber is a tough sell. So like a women's dead rubber could also be a very, very tough sell. You know what I mean? So good point. I think they would just need to manage it properly. I think, I think they would just need to make sure that at least one of the games is at a smaller venue 
in an effort to sort of recoup a few costs, which maybe could bring them back to somewhere like North Sydney Oval and bring back that great experience that you guys always talk about. But I think also think at the same time, because we've had the record crowds in the two games this year, I don't think they'd want to contract it in that way. Could you not, could like, I, I don't know how any of this stuff works, but could you not be malleable and say, sort of have a contingency in place that if it's a live game, it goes to Bankwest or wherever. And if it's a dead rubber, you played at North Sydney. I, I, don't think so, just really because that, of, of how far yeah. they like to set these things in advance, mm. you know? Yeah. So I, I don't know if they would have that sort of flexibility. Like we're talking about a sport that sets its entire television schedule months and months and months in advance. You know That's what I mean? True. You know what the six o'clock game on August 25th is going to be the previous November and come hell or high water, that will not change. So I don't know, like from an operations perspective, I don't know what they got to do, but like, they can't keep going with this. They can't have two games. I think it, it undermines the credibility of the, of, of, of the series. And I would hope that we were at a point where women's rugby league doesn't need to strive to, for credibility, but still with the attitude some people have around this game, it's always going to be fighting an uphill battle in that sense. That's true. But you've got to put it in a position to succeed. Um, yeah. And I, I, I like the schedule is already quite crowded and it's already not ideal having the series before the NRLW competition. Cause then we get a situation like game one where a lot of girls just haven't played a lot of footy and they're very underdone and the spectacle suffers, but there's got to be a way to work this out. There's got to be a way to get three games in that puts this competition in a way to succeed. And if not be profitable, just minimize well, the losses um, because You've got to have three. Well, You've got to things, make that happen. Two things. First of all, um, the twenty, the six PM game on the twenty fifth of August is Warriors Dragons. Um, is it second, really? Yeah, which is weird because that's the first game we're going to talk about in about five minutes time. But second of all, I mean, if it is a cost issue, right, and you're worried that like four thousand people will turn up to a dead rubber women's game, just just cancel it. Just don't have it if it's a dead rubber. That's Again, what, I, that's I what don't every think every other sport in the world does, except for cricket. But they all, that's what every other sport does. Just can't. No, hang on. Well, every other sport except cricket, right? So yeah. it's not a thing that happens in Australia, is it? No, no, no. That's the it's point. It's, it's, that's the point. Like, it's an Australian thing. We play the games. And I don't think you can have, I hate using this word, but I don't think you can have the optics of then cutting down the number of games. Mm. You know what I mean? I just think that's such a terrible, That and this is a phrase I hate too. It's just such a bad look. Game three, you know? if required. Nah, see, I don't like that. <laughs> you hate that. You hate, I hate that. Take that. Take required. that back to. Take that back to fucking Seppo Land. You Yankee Doodle piece. We get Zaza Pachulia on the sideline yelling, "We're going to Game Three. Nothing easy." <laughs> Would you be in then? Would you be in then? Possibly. All right. Let's fly him out and give it a try. Let's do it. Try, try. This is a try. Brilliant, brilliant play. I think it's a try. Oh, I don't know if this is going to be a try. Gee, what about this bloke? Welcome to our weekly segment where we talk about a play you might have forgotten from yesterday. It's not a new segment, as I was so rudely reminded last week, uh, but it's a trip down memory lane to discuss a player, usually from the late 90s, early 2000s, that uh, you'll go, oh yeah, I remember that guy, Campo. So sitting around and naming old footy players is the finest thing a person can do. It's literally my favorite thing to do in the entire world. And this week, beloved listener, Stu, a, a good Newcastle Knights fella. Solid Novocastrian man. 
has thrown up another solid Novocastrian, George Carmont. Fuck yeah. Do you want to take the lead on, on George Carmont? You got that... you got a you got a, a couple of George Carmont thoughts for everybody. Thoughts well, and feelings you would like to first, share. What's your first thought when George Carmont pops in your head? Because he to me is one of those guys that embodies the sort of like those post those just post premiership nights years where they had the really cool jerseys, where they had a bunch of cool players and they were just fun to watch. They they weren't the best team going around, but sort of he was just one of those guys that sort of was sort of represented that sort of post premiership era and was exciting to watch. Um, how many years did he have there? Three or four, I think. I want to say four. I think it yeah, was like an the, 04, he, an 04 debut and yeah. then gone at the end of 08, maybe. He had the long flowing hair. You can just, I can, you can just see him now in one of those like those kind of weird white sort of semi vertical, red, white, and blue vertical striped jerseys that they had in that era. Um, it was a hard running center, a good player. Um, then he, well, then what did he do after that? He went to Wigan. He um, did, he did, yeah, and he was great at Wigan. Won a couple of premierships, made a couple of dream teams. He was sick on one of the rugby league games as well. I can't remember which one. But he was really good on like rugby league two or something. Well, I think Carmont was a bit of a late starter, and we love we love a mature age debutant on this show, right? But he was about twenty six. He's definitely like in his mid twenties, right out of the Jason Bugarelli school of late debutant. Except he, except this guy was good. You know George, what I mean? <laughs> like, George, George bro, he struck struck me as like a as one of those early defensive specialist centers. You know what I'm saying? Like George Carmont crawled so Dean Vare could walk. You know what I mean? I think Carmel's one of those guys. I think he got a lot of time in playing for the I've only ever seen this written, this place written. I've never heard it said. I think it's Otahuhu, the Otahuhu sure. Leopards, taking on fellas like the Point Chevalier Pirates and the Mount Mount Albert Lions and the Manuera Marlins and the Hibiscus Coast Rangers and just like great Kiwi footy teams just out there really mixing it up in in a very New Zealand sense, you know, it's good stuff. It's good Kiwi content for, for the final out there. Yeah. So it's weird. Cause I like it's, I, I just was like pulled up his like a bunch of tap news stories about him and his Wikipedia and stuff. And it's like, I, I just Berenstein bears. Cause I thought he came back and played first grade for the Warriors, but apparently only ever came back and played New South Wales cup. Yeah. Yeah. I think once he finished up with Wigan, he kind of just called it a day, which is to be expected. Cause I think he was about 30, 435 by the time he finished up Wigan. But they loved him in Wigan. He was, he was one of those blokes, first blokes that I remember who was like, okay, over here. And he, he was all, he was all right in the NRL, but then he goes to England and he's just a stud. He's just killing shit. And I actually think that was around the time where the NRL really started to shoot ahead of Super League. Mm. And George Carmont was almost like one of the harbingers of that switch. It was like, well, if George Carmont can go over there and make the dream team twice and look unbelievable. Maybe, maybe, maybe Super League has taken. Well, you talked about back. walking so someone else could run. He walked so Daniel Holdsworth could run. <laughs> In what sense? Well, he, well, he, he carved up the Super League. He, he went over there at around that same time period. Did Daniel Holdsworth, did he? He played there. Like, he was quite good, wasn't he? Oh, he played there for a time. I don't know how good he was. Why do I feel like he played well? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's just a Daniel Holdsworth enthusiast. Uh, what do we call we're, we're the Holdsworthians. That works. Yeah, Holds, Holdsworth, look at this, a bit of bonus, what about this guy? Because Holdsworth is very much in that mold too. Yeah. But Holdsworth played four years over there, never made a dream team or anything like that, played a bit for Salford, a bit for Hull, played for the Exiles one year, 
I don't know. I reckon you're just uh, I reckon you're just a Holdsworth. I feel like Rangy Chase is also one of those guys, right? Oh, Rangy Chase is definitely one. Rangy Chase okay, won me. We pulled it back. Rangy, Rangy Chase went over there. Who and am I confusing up, but... Holdsworth with? There was like another another guy. It must be. Anyway, but Rangy Chase is, is it, definitely Is it one. Jacob Miller? Another blonde-haired halfback? Maybe. I don't know. It's not important. I don't know. Like a, a terrifying depth, a terrifying glimpse into the the depths of your vegan adult mind. Yeah, I, th- I think Carmont is one of those blokes who is remembered extremely fondly by Knights fans, but I don't know if he ever like did that much of note other than just being a very solid, dependable center for him. I'm pretty sure he played in that crazy 06 final against the Seagulls, which is one of the great lost games of the last 25 years or so when Jared Mullen kicks the field goal and the Knights get up by, I think seven and it's Joey's last big game at Marathon Stadium. And it's just amazing. I'm pretty sure he was in that and he scored a try. But yeah, I think um, I think this is one for the for the Newcastle homeboys. I think this is one that might not have spread beyond the Hunter region. Yeah, you well, know? Th- but this those, is one this is one for the Novocastrians. Those night scenes were full of guys. They had like they had like him, um, David Siege. Remember him, bro? Regan Tanner. Yeah, fuck yeah, Brad Brad Tig as well. Daniel Trent Sorkeld, Kirk Reynoldson, of course. Like so many guys, a guy but, heavy um, team, guy heavy teams. Um. With sick those are those are those are some load bearing guys that you well, just, the, well, that so you just K- named. Well, so was a big part of that Knights team that was like lost every game to start the first half of the season in 05 because Andrew Johns wasn't there. Yeah, and then they stormed home. They won like six or seven of their last ten games or something. But because they'd started so badly, they still came last. I think they're still the best ever wooden spoon team. They won eight games in the end. So they, I think are. they are still oh, the best they, ever wooden spoon team. There might be someone that run them close, but at the time they'd won more games than any wooden spoon ever. And if I remember very, I remember very vividly, if they'd won their last game by like sixty four points, they would have come second last, and Canberra would have won the spoon. So, thank you, George Carmont, for not doing that. Well, were we third last? Look at us. Look at the look at the high flying rabbitos of 05. <laughs> third last. Cop that, Hampton. The twenty fourteen triumph began that year. <laughs> this ladder is hilarious. He had, Newcastle last eight and sixteen, Canberra second last nine and fifteen, and then Souths and Bulldogs both nine, fourteen, and one with worse for and against than Canberra. Did they oh, facilitate oh, a draw against each other? Yeah, they did. It was at the showground. Yeah, I, I yeah it was. That was a well. twenty yeah. all, twenty all draw after extra time. I remember that game. Fucking shifty, um, just spraying them all over the place. Absolutely. Oh man, what a fun trip that memory lane. Mid two thousands really is our sweet spot. The Souths Bulldogs Alliance. Tenuous oh, but profitable. tenuous at best, I'd say. Jesus Christ, <laughs> not one I'd want to be a part of today. Um, all right, we have we have been here for a long time already, my friend, but we've got almost a full round of rugby league to preview. I believe there is seven games, but there is only one tomorrow, which I understand why, because I want to give them extra rest because of Origin, but I don't like it. So once again, from six till eight tomorrow night, we'll just be wandering the streets, searching for answers uh, before we hopefully get some in the form of Dragons Warriors at 8 p.m. Uh, it's fair to say the Dragons have had a tumultuous week. You know what? I, I I would say that is fair. Hmm. I would say that is fair. Others would uh, try and, you know, censor you for such a... No, but not you. you know, the, the, the politically correct crowd don't want to hear you say that, but I'm letting you say it, man. Thank this you. is a I'd podcast of, of free speakers. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, so the Warriors have been pretty impressive recently. They come into this game. I know it's in Wollongong, but they're quite firm favorites. The Dragons do get... um. Jack DeBellin back on an extended bench and oh no, he's starting, sorry. Jack DeBellin starting and Jack Bird back as Jack well. Jack Bird's back in the pack as but, well. Um, ben Hunt 
Ben Hunt will back up because he only played about 29 minutes True. on Wednesday Warwick's night. Um, don't have any origin reps, so they're they're all sweet. And they get um they get Dylan Walker back as well, who you know has been a pretty valuable option for them off the bench in a lot of games this year. That's that's more, that's a bit more important than people might realize if they haven't watched the Warriors all that closely this year. And I think with the way the Warriors are going, and you look at like the Dragons' strength to me have been like the games they have managed to win have just been sort of they've been able to out physical teams and sort of get into an arm wrestle and just do enough. The South game aside, because I think you've got to kind of throw that one out because it's a bit anomalous. I don't think they're going to be able to do that against this Warriors pack at all. Well, this this is about as good a Warriors team as you can have with the exception of like Mitch Barnett on the bench. Like Walker back gives, gives them a little bit more sophistication in the middle of the field. And they were already pretty sophisticated in the middle of the field with the way Tohu Harris is playing this year. Adam Fanuel Blake's been the second best prop in the entire league this season, the Warriors are coming off their best win in a really long time against Canberra two weeks ago. They've had the bias, so they've been able to rest up all their little niggles. And after that Canberra win, I kind of planted a flag a little bit. I think the Warriors are going to make the top eight. And I actually think that they're a team that should be aiming high. I think they're a team that should look at that last spot in the top four and think, fuck, why can't we do it? Wow. Can't, well, are you I'm doing not saying it? Is Nicky Zags putting his flag in the top four? I'm not saying they will. I'm saying that's now what they should be aiming for. They're equal I think, fourth right now. I think that can be their ceiling as a team with with the way with the way that they with the way that they've been playing. You know, I'm very confident they get this one done. They haven't. They've only played the. They don't have a great record in Wollongong. I think they lost something like ten in a row there before their last match there, which was five years ago. So it's a bit unfamiliar for them. But I feel really really good about them in this one, and I'm actually going to. Here's Taylor rolling the ball in. I mean, he's after it. He might have got it down. He thinks he did. Oh! Coltrane Cup. Coltrane, them boys. Kia far now. We're going to Wollongong. The direct service from Auckland. No stops all the way. All the way. I think they'll be able to rumble the Dragons in the middle of the field. And I think they'll be able to really strike at him on the edges because that was a real, real struggle for Saints in that loss to South. So I know you say we can kind of throw that thing out, but... The way Souths were able to go after Moses Suli, we know he can have some really, really tough defensive days. And going down that right side is the side Sean Johnson loves to work on the most. I'm expecting another really big one from him after a blinder against the Raiders. My Coltrane form hasn't been great of late. I dropped the ball last last start. You know, first loss in a while. Didn't love it. Didn't love it. But I'm feeling good about this one. I think the Wires are specials here. Yeah, I I, I think they'll win. And I... I... I did write that this week that they're going to be one of, if not the team that springboards their way further up the ladder the most as a benefit of the State of Origin series. And I think that looking at the run home, they've only got like one or two tough games after this. They really do have a great chance to do something special in the rest of this regular season. And I think that like even the most cynical person, I think would have to be a bit romantic about after everything they've gone through during COVID and, and sort of the lean years with Nathan Brown, if the Warriors got a home final this year, that'd be bloody brilliant. Yeah, be unreal. But I think that's going to be a theme over the next couple of weeks. We're going to be looking at all those teams who are in kind of that cluster, for sort of from third down to about 10th. Mm. And we're going to be looking for the team that can get away from the endless middle and settle in at the bottom of the top. Because there is a spot there for someone to reach up and take. And if I was backing a team to do it, I would be tempted by the Warriors because I think they have that in them. I really, really do. Just quick one. You've said third, implying that Souths, who have the same number of wins as Penrith and Melbourne, are not in the that cluster of the top teams. What? Oh no, sorry. Dude, no, I was thinking. I was thinking Brisbane, Souths, Penrith. 
as oh, my top okay, three. So, oh, because Storm is I, above South. I'm not going off the ladder. I'm just going ah, off the okay, okay. best three teams. Oh, yeah. If we take the buys out, South's a third. So play yeah, on. And, and obvious, obviously, Melbourne, as of, of, of those guys looking to grab fourth, Melbourne are obviously probably yeah. at the front of the pack right okay, now. I agree with But that. I think there's a lot of other teams that can be looking up at that spot. Yep. I think, yeah, I think, I think, um, I think they're one of them. And I think one of the teams we're about to talk about is another one, a team that we kind of were writing obituaries for a couple of weeks ago, but the Parramatta Eels are heading up to the Sunshine Coast to play the Dolphins. Uh, again, they are short favorites. Uh, Balo did not play a whole lot on Wednesday night. So you'd imagine that he's going to back up for this game. Um, Mitchell Moses, I mean, like he played the whole game, but you know, he played halfback. I don't think he, I don't, I'm sure he's fine. I think he, he looks all set to back up and, well, we don't yeah, know. They, we well, just we don't, don't know. know but like, trouble. if if I was a betting man, I would I would suspect that he will. And so, yeah, um, a great chance for them to really keep building. And against a Dolphins team that's sort of well, I wouldn't say they've fallen off. I think they've still been they're they're still like sort of in the finals hunt, but they've dropped down to tenth now. Had a couple of tough losses in the last few weeks, and I think that once again, just still with like still with a couple of the guys that they're 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 missing. I think that they're. Kind of there for the taking. I know Sean well, O'Sullivan they, in the 19 jersey is yeah, very interesting. They, they're getting they're getting some guys back though. They're getting some guys back. They're getting Felice Cafusi back for the first time in what feels like ages. It feels like it was another lifetime when he got rubbed out for that big suspension. They're getting him back. They're getting I think O'Sullivan's gonna play if I was betting on it. I think he's gonna come back in with Katara. And I think O'Sullivan is a really, really big in for them because as impressive as Katara's been this year and as 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 nice as some of Nick Arima's attacking touches have been, I think O'Sullivan getting in just gives them that direction, gives them a really solid kicking game. I think he raises their floor a fair bit. You know, we got Valence Tavare in the centers. That's great stuff. Come on, you've got to love it. I don't know if Tabuai Fidel is going to play because he didn't back up after game one and, and Wayne Bennett was looking to rest him a little bit. Bennett might not have that option now. It might sort of be, Hammer, we need you out there if we're going to be any chance of doing this. And because this game is in Queensland, I'm expecting a big Queensland effort from the Finns. You know, I, the, the two times that they've really been badly blown out, one was in Sydney, one was in Wollongong. When they're on Queensland soil, even if they lose, they sort of run them, they sort of run them pretty close. So I am taking Parra in this because I, I think they're going to keep developing the way that we've seen over the last sort of month or so, but that is contingent on Paulo playing and that's contingent on, on Moses playing. I think they're both going to push to try and do it because I think they're going to want to try and get some footy in and sort of wash game two out of their minds as quickly as they can. But if they're a little bit, if they're sort of not quite there or if Parra think that they're just going to turn up and run over them, I think the Finns could pull out a, a Finn surprise for them. You know what I'm saying? As we've seen many times before this year. Here's Taylor rolling the ball end on him. He's after it. He might have got it down. He thinks he did. Oh! Cold train carp. Well, I don't. <laughs> um, Those are my favorite cold train segues. Yeah. And I like, I like going to spiel about it. Well, here's why you're wrong. Don't, be, no, don't fucking think this is a photo complete. Yeah. Well, it actually is. Yeah. Well, look, I just had a look at the teams that I haven't picked once yet. And also... I'm a couple behind on my away tips now. I haven't tipped Parramatta yet. I need to tip an away team this week, I feel like. Um, bunch of the other teams I haven't tipped yet, I don't want to pick this week, like the Knights, the Bulldogs, the Titans. Don't, not really. Well, I can't tip the Bulldogs. If you could, that'd be great. But um, yeah, so best of a bad bunch. I do think they'll win though, so I'm fine with it. And if not, uh, you know, Coltrane cursing Parramatta. Oh no, 
Please forgive me, Eddie. Well, your Col- your Coltrane season is in tatters. Oh, mate, I just want like, to get back to. I'm just trying to get back to 500. All right, it's not just it's not just off the tracks. It's been discontinued as a mode of transportation. It, yeah, it's um, it's in it's in a museum, and year six red students going to trains see, from when yeah, we were year kids. six students are going to see it and saying, Jesus, did people really used to fucking travel in those sorts of things? Yep, that is that oh, is the that, past that was is, so stupid. That is, and then they go and doing it a TikTok or something. Mate, if I could get back to Tangara levels, I'd be delighted. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we could only hope. Such lofty dreams we have. <laughs> uh, Penrith hosting the Knights. Yeah, as you can see why I'm not culturating the Knights this week as they travel to the foot of the mountains. Uh, Penrith's inns are about as good of a, uh, a six-ten of inns I've ever seen. To'o, Yo, Luai, Martin, Leosa, and Crichton. Uh, pretty good. Pretty but, good, yeah. Pretty yeah, good. but uh, look, we'll see if they all back up from origin. But of course... Uh, there's plenty of guys in that team that are super, super talented and did not play Origin. So um, it's interesting. You think this game is a full conclusion, but like the Knights have not got as many wins as we kind of think that they should have given how well they've played and how much effort they've put in this year. But at the same time, uh, uh, this was the game last year, right? Where they kind of kept it really tight until the Mitch Barnett thing. Well, yeah, but then they, they kind of fell apart. They played Penrith really, really well earlier this year. That's right, yeah. Penrith got them in golden point and were probably a little lucky to get away with it as well. I thought they got a couple of breaks late in the game that sort of really helped them out with this. This is, I think this is a deceptively difficult game to pick because I think the way this game goes is entirely contingent on how the whole Penrith crew I agree with that. rebound from origin. And it, it it's funny, when it's funny... Origin, like origin can affect a team or can affect like club teams and players in a couple of different ways. Sometimes players go in there and they find a level they never knew they had. And that gives them a sort of greater confidence in themselves and their own ability. And they take that back to club level and they look amazing. And it's kind of the making of them. Other times they get there, they don't do well. And then that takes them a while to, to overcome. And it can sort of knock them around for a few weeks. So those guys, they kind of try and, rediscover their form after after sort of getting exposed a little bit on the biggest stage. All these Panther guys who are coming back have played good footy in origin at some point in the past, but I don't know if they've ever had to deal with the criticism of them as players, not not with the way that they celebrate or their manner or anything like that. I yeah, think this is for different. a lot of these guys, their their skill and their ability as players has come under question for probably the first time since Penrith sort of ascended back in 2020. This is the first time in a really long time that people are saying, well, maybe Isaiah isn't as good as we thought, you know? So it's a different thing for Penrith to overcome than the usual origin defeat. And I can see it going one or two ways. The way that it might go is it sort of knocks them around and they don't know how to deal with it. And they kind of scratch around for a few weeks. So they figure things out or as it has in the past, when people have come after him, it galvanizes them. It gives them an enemy to sort of target. It gives them something to fight against. What was the big mantra they had last year that sort of drove them to the premiership was that FEC stuff, right? It was them against the world. And now the world has turned against what, them the again. fully excellent crew. What are you the fully, talking about? The fully excellent combo. <laughs> so the world has turned against them now. So they have an enemy to fight against. They have an enemy to fight against. They have another common poor, common cause common purpose like yes. fuck everyone's turned on us they're here to take it out on dylan lucas and <laughs> but, phoenix crossland but but you know what i mean like I we we, we, we joke about we joke about point. teams desperately trying to do the no one believed in his shit but for the first time ever they've actually got genuine but now there are actually 
<laughs> Harry Ramage, a proud, a proud Knights man, directly called Isaiah Yoa. That'll be pinned to the locker yeah, that's, room. That's that's bulletin board material. They'll so say, this one's for you, Ramage. They'll stare down <laughs> the camera after they score their ninth yeah. try. And I, I, I kind of think it will go that way for Penrith. You know, I think it'll really help them that they're back at home and they'll get one of those, you know, ravenously feral Penrith home crowds. The Knights haven't been that great away from home this season, you know, and I, and I think. Well, their last trip to the West was when they considered 73 line breaks in the first half and were somehow only down 10-6 before that, <laughs> that game got away from them. But yeah, yeah. I think the, the recipe for the Knights to challenge them is pretty simple. It's, you know, getting the Safidis going yep. in the middle of the field. It's setting up Ponga down that left-hand side. Now that Greg the Leg it has started, managed Well, it to... all started with Greg the Leg making the bus this week. Well, that's it. Somebody gave him a bus timetable. Someone tattooed it on his forearm and said, Greg, you'll never be late again. Like, so he's back, so they got a little bit more strike back. But really, to me, this is entirely contingent on how hard Penrith go. And if they knock the Knights around early, I just don't think the Knights will be able to go with them, you know? Yeah. So I'm I'm sort of thinking it goes that way for Penrith, but very interested to see how some of their biggest players react. Yep, totally. Um, last game on Saturday, Storm Manly uh, down in Melbourne. Um, again, a, a sea of ins for the Storm. Xavier Coates, uh, Harry Grant, Christian Welch, Cam Munster, Justin Olam among them. Uh, and is that course, good? Yeah, that is good. Tell you what's not good is when you're a one-man team and you're one-man Tori's <laughs> pectoral muscle on Wednesday night and it's probably going to be out for an extended period of time. You got a launch through Manly now? How much time are we going to give this game, man? But no turbo in Melbourne. They're going to get pumped. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They are. Well, it looked like the storm really clicked into gear over the last two weeks. I like, like we said earlier, I think of the teams chasing that last spot in the top four, I think they're the ones who probably have their noses in front at the minute. They seem to have worked a few things out. Um, this game, like I, I think they'll win regardless of if, if Munster and Grant back up, but the margin of victory could honestly depend on how drunk they both got on Wednesday night. That's and like they were, and I can't like Munster in the sheds. Munster was pretty low key. Grant was having a great time. And well, that's, and, you want that to be the other way around because Cam Munster's high functioning. Yeah, well, if, if, uh, you need, if you need one of those guys, <laughs> if you need one of those guys to sober up, and the other one to can still be a bit pissed when he plays, you want Munster to be the slightly pissed guy. That's true. That's true. I hadn't thought of it like that. But yeah, like Grant, Grant more than earned it. So get into him. Family did but, play uh, well against them in that early game this year. Remember they had that tough 18, eight win. Ray Vega was putting hits on people and, and doing his best Reese Walsh impersonation as he got sin binned right on half time. They hasn't well been cited. Night. Hasn't been cited since. Yeah. I don't think well, he's played in the first since bro. Bellamy put a hit out on him, but well, um, well, he brother, he's on an extended bench. Put the secret weapon. Unleash him. Ocean's 15. Ray Vega. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was, of course, there are three, there are three Vega brothers. Yeah. There's Vic Vega, who's Mr. Blonde and Reservoir Dogs. There's Vincent, Vincent Vega, Vega in Pulp Fiction. And there's Ray Vega. Absolutely. Their near-do-well brother <laughs> went to a foreign land and picked up the footy. All right. I'm tipping Melbourne, but if Ray Vega is named, potential change. <laughs> Um, yeah, like you just you gotta you gotta yeah. pretty it's much sucks. put a line through Manly Natural Boy that. Like, even though he wasn't quite what he's been in the past, losing him is just a hammer blow. And give her, give, yeah, considering Seabold is already like scratching around a little bit, it's looking very very tough. Yeah, re, they, their season, which started pretty brightly, has just rapidly fallen off a cliff, hasn't it? But um, oh well, look, we we've been, we're wrong so often. Maybe like there is there is bit of history in this game. And they, I know it's been a decade since that Battle of Brookvale game, but these two teams do hate each other. 
So like maybe maybe they fire up a bit. Maybe it's a proper backs against the wall and they keep it close. Which but, two guys? Which two guys do you want to see fight? And you can't say Ray Vega because he might uh, not play. Well, yeah, no, that's that's fair. Well, you you want, you want Nas versus Paseca, right? It's two tall drinks of water. Two man. big horses going at it. I don't know if Paseca's a fighter though. Mm-hmm. I reckon. Yeah, I reckon. I reckon. I reckon. I reckon it's Sofa Solomona versus Ol Kawatu. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, they do have an actual. Them, they do have an actual boxer head head. on the bench in Josh Alloyo. That, that is cheating, though. I think. Is he? Is he all talk though? Did he? He never fought anyone that gallon thing, right? Did they change the rounds, or did it just not happen? I don't even remember. Uh, they changed the rounds, and Alloyo pulled out, and then That's I think right. it was Lusick who came Lassie, in and fought Lassie, him instead. Yep. Yep. Ah, yep. oh, boxing, the sport of kings. <laughs> no, let's have um, let's have um, Will Will Warbrick against um, who's uh, Will Warbrick against Josh Schuster would be funny. Will Warbrick looks like he can fight a little I bit. I agree. I agree. But that might just be because he's a Kiwi, and some Kiwis just look like they can fight even if they can't. That's that's fair also. Um, Kiwi heavy content on today's show. Yeah, Shout out to our brothers from the well, land. Hey, the, when the Warriors out. are doing well, this show's going to let, let the let the brothers over the ditch know about it. So, yeah. All right. Uh, a Queensland derby on a Sunday afternoon? How quaint. Indeed. Uh, what a, By the way, what's what a super Sunday this is. Like... This Broncos, is a banging Sunday footy, Broncos bro. Broncos-South Raiders, back to back to back. Good, Good stuff. Well, I'll Good obviously stuff. be going to the middle game, so we shan't be watching them together. But the first game, Broncos-Titans at Suncorp Stadium. Uh, again, so much of this depends on whether Payne Haas plays, whether Patrick Carrigan plays, whether Dave Fafita plays. Um, yeah. Let's uh, just let's just assume that all the Origin guys are going to play. Okay, let's do that. Because well, Wednesday, Wednesday to Sunday is as long a layoff as you're going to get. That's true. Barring any niggles, I think they're all. I think they'll all play. So let's just let's just go on that assumption. Yeah. So these games often have weird things happen. You get the Titans racing out to big leads and the Broncos running them down. You get sort of big moments. And I think that the fact that the Broncos are so good now and that the Titans, well, I wouldn't say the Titans are good, but they're flirting with the top eight. They're they're ninth at the moment. I think that the fact that every Queensland team has at least a semblance of competency this year means that all these games are so much bigger than they were in the last couple of years. Like, I mean, even two years ago when both these teams were a bit of a basket case, this game, you'd kind of be like, who cares? But, you know, I'm kind of excited for it because the Titans, I think they're a win outside the top eight. And Brisbane, of course, is still on top and every win gets them closer to that minor premiership and guaranteeing that all roads run through Lang Park on the way to the grand final. So I'm kind of keen for this one. And I think that perhaps given what we'll talk about later with the Titans, that they might be up for this one they might show a bit of extra ticker because of everything that's going on behind the scenes but of course that can always go the other way as well well it's always tough when there's a new coach coming in who is um, the interim I, coach by the way i oh, i saw his name earlier today i hadn't heard is of it him matt rogers before it's not maddie rogers he's he's a is he's, it brett delaney it's not brett delaney is i it, wish it is was it mark minicello it's not mark minicello keep keep naming titans players vamp it, cover it, for me is it scott prince yes it's scott prince fuck yeah it's, that'd be amazing is it luke but is it bull bailey <laughs> it's not Paul Bailey, but Lindsay Collins winning man of the match off the bench in uh, Origin 2. Luke Bailey was the last fella to do that. Did that 20 years ago in game one oh three. So there you go. Something new every day. Yep. Have you found it yet? I'm struggling, mate. Keep vamping. <laughs> Keep dancing. Um, Is it uh, Smith Samuel? Yes. Is it actually? That, that is it. That is a good one. I thought Thank you were going to go like Lilea Payer or something Kevin Gordon? Like no, it is your friend and mine, Jim Lenahan. Who the who's that? So he spent a lot of time co- coaching Burley in the Queensland Cup. He had okay. two stints there. 
one of those blokes who I think has just sort of been on the local Queensland footy scene for a really long time. He's been a coach at the Titans since the end of 2019. So he'll be he's familiar oh, so he's a, So he's a good rugby league players. man is what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. And that's okay, what's most fantastic. important. Well, a good rugby league man might be what they need for this one. Well, I, I, I'm I, with you. I'm really looking forward to this one. I think we're going to get a crazy fucking crowd because the Broncos don't get a lot of Sunday games. You know what I mean? So I think we're going to get – I think we could get something like 30-plus, maybe close to 40. Both teams are going okay. Titans won last start, you know. Broncos are just sort of riding very, very high at the minute. I don't think there's a more exhilarating thing to watch in rugby league right now than Reese Walsh at Suncorp Stadium, you know, and I'm looking forward to seeing him – run and gun the way that he was on Friday night, but the Titans can run and gun themselves. And you're right. Weird things can often happen in Broncos Titans games. And I think if the Broncos don't come correct, or if a few of their guys are sort of carrying a few extra, like a bit of extra weight from origin, there's a chance that we could get a really, really cool point scoring shootout in this one. You know, if the Bronx are just a little bit off their game and the Titans really, really gear up for it. So I'm expecting tries and plenty of them, dog. I'm expecting some wild, wild shit going on out there. I'm really keen to see how Brendan Piakura goes in the starting side. He's been getting more and more minutes over the last couple of weeks. I love what he can do in attack. His defense isn't quite there yet, but he's a very, very quality attacking player. That he runs really good lines, moves really, really well. Kurt Capewell is going to be out for a couple of weeks. So this time in the first grade side could really be the making of, of Pia Kura, a player who there's been a lot of talk about for a really long time. I'm very, very keen to see him. This is the first time that the Haas brothers have played against each other. Well, that's it's, that's funny because I, I had a chat to Payne Haas in the lead up to game one. And I asked him about watching game three last year on the couch. And he said he, he said he hated it. He says he's really, really bad at watching footy. He says he gets more nervous watching Cleese Haas's games than he does playing in his own. That's nice. I like that. It's very nice. Very nice. Two two really good lads, the Haas boys. But yeah, I don't think I don't yeah, it's it's always nice when brothers take on brothers two while brothers. other brothers cheer them on. Well, so it's the Fasul Malawis and Cleese Haas versus Big Pine. Three, it's good stuff. I want I want the three brothers to all just fight the one brother. <laughs> the, oh. the two for Sumalis and Cleese just gang up on pain. <laughs> Get him, Cleese. Cleese is a fucking great name. Um yeah, look, I'll take the Broncos, but I am pumped for this. I think Something weird's gonna happen. I think it'll be. A I think it'll be. There. I think it'll be a, a really fun game for the neutrals. Yeah. Um, Souths in action at the Olympic Stadium against the Cowboys. Uh, the second of our Sunday triple header. Uh, again, some big ins with Cam Murray, Cody Walker, uh, coming back in. No Latrell Mitchell. I don't think Cam Murray's gonna play personally, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But uh, Tom Burgess back as well, which is gigantic for Souths. Um, I think the Cowboys will be a little bit filthy quietly that, you know, that Bruce Robson had to play 90 minutes on, on when uh, 90 minutes, 80 minutes on, on Wednesday night. I Did you just forget would... how many minutes are in a game? Uh, I'm just on. Yeah. I no. I, well, I, I, I'm a soccer man as well. So, you know, these things happen. <laughs> oh, aristocrat. It. But it's interesting because like where most teams have named all their origin guys like to start the Cowboys have named them all on the extended bench. So when do they first have to cull it from 24 down to a smaller number, Nick, because they've got um, 24 hours out from the oh, match. So they've got eight. That doesn't matter then. They but yeah, they've while. got Talangi, Cotter, Holmes, Nanai, Robson in jerseys 20 through 24 at the moment. So we'll see what happens there. I don't think they were budgeting for him playing a full game. Um, obviously Cotter got through a mountain of work again, but as you said earlier, 
Uh, it is it is a Sunday. They've got the maximum amount of rest they can have. Have and and yeah, you 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 would expect that they could all possibly back up. And for Souths, Damien Cook will absolutely back up. I mean, you know, he didn't really have to do a whole lot playing in the centers, and except watch Queensland score tries. And um, <laughs> oh, damn, it's so sad, my sweet boy. I felt very sorry for him by the end. God, I felt fucking very sorry. very sorry for. I him. do like that no one turned on him as I see yes. Anyway, and they get Tom Burgess back. I don't think Cam Murray's going to play, but. Cowboys record in Sydney is generally pretty atrocious. And I think Souths getting Cody back, getting Tom Burgess back. I think they will have somewhat of a point to prove after that performance against the Dragons last week. Yeah, I I, I think so. It's, it's a shame that the cows are going to come into this under so many uncertainties because I think they've gotten to the point now where there's a, their, their top 17 is looking really, really strong, you know, not just with the guys coming back from injury, like Talamalolo, but I think, Along the way, they've found a few dudes as well. I quite like Zach Labart in the centers. I think he'll probably end up being a back rower, but he's a big rangy thing with a pretty good, pretty good offload on him. I really like um, the young second rower, Kuli Kefu Finu Fuyaki. He scored that try against the Panthers. I think he's only played two or three games, but he's a player to me that has a, a really, really big future on that edge. I like his power. I like his footwork. I think he's he's something that they've that they've really sort of found something there and. They've got some other guys who are really hitting form at the right time. Dearden's playing great footy. Scott Drinkwater's playing great footy. You know, I think after Val Holmes sort of, you know, got pieced up by Stafford Tower, he's put the pieces back together as well. So I'd be really, really interested in seeing a game between these two mm. in North Queensland to even the field a little bit if they were both at full strength. Yeah, I agree with know? that. And it's a, it's a while now since Souths have had anything close to their best side on the field, isn't no, it's, it? It's fucked. It's yeah, really, yeah. They've, sucks, they've really they've really had to weather a storm. Mm. I'm probably going to lean Souths mainly because they are at home and because Cody Walker's back. Um, but I, 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 I agree with you. I think Cameron Murray being out might open up the middle of the field a little bit for someone like Tal Malilo. And if the Cows can just get a few of their origin dudes back, maybe not even all of them, but just a couple of them, that might be enough to turn the scales. Mm. I, I, I think this is a very, very difficult one to pick. It's interesting. They've played. Like we know they traditionally never travelled well. They played four times in Sydney this year. They lost to the Dogs by a field goal in that crazy game. They got beaten by Cronulla by forty. They got beaten by the Tigers by fifty, and they got beaten by Parramatta, which ended up being twenty four sixteen. But I think they were very clearly second best in that game for the most part. So four games in Sydney, four losses, only one of them close. That's uh, that's not a yeah. good sign for them. It's, I, I guess that's a good sign for Souths, who rarely lose games at ANZ. So yeah, look, no trail is obviously is there... massive. Cam is Murray a, is a is a, still a big question mark, but yeah, is there a greater contrast in terms of locations in rugby league from the tropical north to the cold industrial realities Canyon, yeah, of of the of the Olympic Stadium? Can't wait till me and twelve thousand of my closest friends are filling that place up <laughs> on Sunday. Fuck me, God, what a shithole! All right, and uh, I assume that this is the game you will be attending on Sunday, as you assume travel. To Sydney to play the Sydney Roosters. Yes, in um, uh, in a tantalising affair at uh, the much superior Allianz Stadium. Well, I I think it is a tantalising affair because like we've talked a couple of times now about the teams that are trying to get from the endless middle to the bottom of the top, and I think the Roosters and the Raiders are two teams whose season is fast approaching a crossroads. You know, the Roosters got their shit together just a little bit against the Knights, and that proved to be enough and Canberra of course are coming off one of the most disappointing performances I can remember in a very very long time they've had 
two weeks to think about it after having the buy. The buy might might have come at a good time for him. You know, it gives them that time to stew, to stew for a little bit, and then gives them time to sort of freshen up and move on a little. I'm surprised to see the Roosters as such heavy favourites. I know they were pretty good against the Knights, but you know, it it still probably wasn't anything close to to what they're capable of. Um, Sanders Smith holding his spot in the halves is really good for them. I don't know what the status is with Luke Keary. Like they were saying he had a broken jaw, but now he might play. Yeah, bizarre. So it? I don't know. Maybe they just like bought him a new jaw or something like That's that. Nice. I assume I assume clubs like the Roosters can do that. Everybody um, gets one. <laughs> Radley's back for them, which I think Radley's a, a sneaky important player for them because when they play straight and they play direct, they look so dangerous. And he's the one that sort of opens that up for them. Whether he'll actually be able to do that is another question because he hasn't been able to do it as much this year. I have, like, if you talk about, like, fiery characters, you've got, on one side, Nathan Brown, Victor Radley, and JWH. And on the other side, you've got Hudson Young, Elliot Whitehead, and Corey Horsburgh. There's going to be, at some point in this game, someone doing something stupid. All right, well, fight night on the undercard of the Asopha Solomona. Well, under the, on the undercard of the Warbrick. Who do we have Warbrick, Lewin? Warbrick Schuster. Yeah. So who's what's on the undercard of that? I think it's those three, two? right? I think it's Maria Hargraves, Radley, and Nathan Brown against Young Whitehead and Horsburgh. So the birds of war against the the, the Viking Raiders. Can I good. can I swap out Whitehead for Rapana? Mm, oh yes, but he has to. He, he's like your high flyer. He's he's doing flips and stuff. Love it, dude. Okay, Lo- good. Lo- That's fine. He was a hundred percent a Hardy Boys enthusiast. Oh up. yeah, Jordan Rapana, absolutely, without a doubt. If if he came out for a game wearing the Jeff Hardy sleeves and I was on the other team, I'd be terrified. <laughs> what is this lunatic going to do? Yeah, but, so um, I, I think yeah. it's pretty clear what the Roosters want from this game. They want to continue some of the good things that they were showing against the Knights. I I, I think they would look for a little bit more of a blockbusting presence from some of their forwards. I, I I like Lindsay Collins. I thought was someone who was excellent for for Queensland. He's sort of reaching the point for Queensland where I'd pick him regardless of of how he's playing. But if I was a Rooster, I'd want to see a little bit of that at club level as well. Um, I'd want to see a little bit of those sort of dynamic runs that he can have in origin. Cause he's a really, really athletic fella for his size. And then for Canberra, that, that loss to the Warriors would have been so emotionally devastating to them that I really don't know what to expect. Yeah. You know, normally this year they've rebound, they've rebounded really well from sort of embarrassing losses like that. But because of, there's been so much time, I, I, I really don't know what to expect. I really don't know what to go for. You know, I'm hoping that they just sort of turn up, play with a really good physicality in the middle, attack the roosters down the edges where they have been vulnerable at times this year and kind of get it done. But fuck knows that that's going to happen. Is this, you know, I'm I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm just going to give up on predicting what's going to happen with Canberra. No, that's more than fair. But just on the roosters. So apart from Sam Walker slash Sandon Smith, is this their best? This is their best backline. This is their best one to six, probably. Uh, I would probably, uh, well, uh, you'd, you'd have to slot in Suoliti for, for Junior oh, Palga, uh, yeah. surely. Yeah, yeah. And then that, that other center spot has kind of been open for him all year. But I th- on the balance of it, probably, probably. Yeah. I'm a much bigger Sam Walker guy than you. So I think he'd have to fit in there somewhere. But because Sandon Smith's skills are just a lot more orthodox and he's probably just a much better compliment for Kiri, you know, he's not a better player than Sam Walker, but he might just be a better fit for what the Roosters need. You does know? happen. So that does happen. I don't know. I think the Roosters will look at that Joe Manu, Jared Croker matchup and really, really like their chances. Manu is someone who's always given Croker trouble. Croker's 
always struggled with blokes who have really, really good footwork. Mm. You know, going back to used like Jamie Lyon used to give him an absolute devil of a time years and years and years ago. And it's something that he's never quite been able to get a handle on, even as he became a better defensive center. Probably a bit late to get that now. Maybe, look, maybe I'm not writing any, I'm not writing him off. So I think that's a matchup. The Roosters will really look for, um, the Raiders have a fucking awful record at the, at the, they had an awful record at the old footy stadium. Mm. Like, so from 1996 till the stadium closed in 2018, they had three wins there. And two of them were against Souths. I was going to say, yeah. that's They, that's, beat, yeah. Like, they only beat the Roosters there once. So wow. I don't know. I'm excited to go to this game, though, just because the new Allianz is really cool. And yeah. it's always fun when your team plays in a cool stadium like this. So hopefully the Roosters folks make the arduous journey down from Bondi and Maybe I'll... turn it on for a little bit. And hopefully nobody talks about the 2019 grand final and I don't cry. What if I did the double? What if I just came for the second half? It's possible. There's no law against it. I've never done it before. Two games in one day. Well, there was one memorable occasion where Jack Brady did the double on a Friday. Yeah, that's incredible. He went from what, what went from went from Stadium Stadium Australia to Bank West. Incredible stuff. Yeah, what a guy. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's like you know, if you get if you get out of camp, if you get out of a course straight away, there won't be anyone there. One train back to Central's twenty five minutes, and then you're on the light rail. You missed the first half. Well, maybe. does this does this one kick off at six fifteen? Yeah, six fifteen. I get, maybe. Miss I reckon you'd time. make it by half time. I might. I might. I'll let's put a pin in that for later. But um, right. I'm considering. I've never gone to two games in a day before, and um, yeah, that'd be that'd be fun. Real bucket list stuff. <laughs> Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi run run Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Run run All right, we've gone super long already. Just one bit of news before we get out of here. Um, Des Hasler is going to be the coach of the Gold Coast Titans in 2024. Uh, Justin Holbrook, as we mentioned in the preview, gone effective immediately. I thought this was a little bit strange, Nick, because in the past we've talked about the lack of scrutiny Justin Holbrook's come under and the problems that the Titans have, particularly their inability to hold onto leads and sort of see out games and all that stuff. But if you strip away all of that this year, just talking in the context of 2023, they've been a lot better than they have in the previous seasons. And so, like, they've won a couple more games than they have at this time, sort of last year or the year before. So, like... Strange timing given where they are right now, but I think on the balance of everything in Holbrook's tenure, I think it's probably the right call. Yeah, I I, I thought they were trending upwards this season. I thought they improved a lot from last year. Um, this, to me, reminds me a little bit of when the Sharks sacked John Morris mm. to bring in Craig Fitzgibbon the following year when they were doing okay, but they'd made the finals the two years before that. Morris had brought a lot of good young fellas into first grade, but they thought Fitzgibbon was their forever guy. So they had to get him in there. And I guess this is a marker of the Titans ambition. You know, they don't want to sit around and wait for things to develop and wait for the good times to come. They think the good times can be here right now. And I, and this is, this is great evidence that I think their upcoming chase of Ben Hunt is going to be further evidence of that. I think the Titans are, ready to really dream big and really aim high. Whether that's the right call for them, I'm not sure because 
over the last couple of years, they've 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 had some really they've had a really good crop of juniors come through. And I think the best path for the forward for the Titans is to be something of a development club, a place where young guys can come through and then grow into stars. And that can be a tough road because that's a, that's the patient road. And it's hard to be patient, especially when you're at a club that hasn't had a lot of historical success, but they're, they're going all in, man. They're, they're, they're cards are on, like they're pushing the chips into the center and they're, they're betting big on, on Des being their man, you know, and who knows if they get hunt and, Hasler's able to come in and give him the magic touch. Maybe this could this could be what they need. But yeah, it, it, it's a it's a it's a big gamble. They're they're sort of yeah. chucking it all in for right now. I think timing aside, it's the right move. And I think that like you know, it's been a little while since this has his coach in a grand final. But he is a guy who's taken two different teams to grand finals. Two and I know that the second sit in Manly didn't go great, but. He's a guy who took Manly to a grand final and that team hasn't had a great deal of success since he left. And he's a guy that took the Bulldogs to two grand finals and they have had no success since he left. So, like, he's clearly one of the best coaches of the last 20 years. I think he's firmly in the top five or six in that regard. I'm not going to sit here and rank them, but he's he is a great coach. There were questions of whether the game had passed him by after that second sit in Manly. I think that they, they flattered to deceive a lot of the time. I think that particularly with the quality of players they had with, with Tabojevic and Cherry Evans... And other guys, I think that maybe people did think they should have been a little bit better, but they did, of course, have the Valandi Ball year. I know it was Valandi Ball, but it was a great year for them. And every everyone was playing under Valandi Ball. That's Landy. true. You know, everyone um, was playing under the same rules, and the tunes made it. So that's not and, nothing. But I think that weirdly, if you take away again, we talk about Manly being top heavy. If you take away Tabojevic and Cherry Evans, I think the Titans. And you know what? If the if if you, if the Titans get Ben Hunt, you don't even need the caveat. But if you take away those two guys, I think this Titans team is probably more talented than any of those late Manly Rosses he had in his second stint. And it's probably more talented than any of those Bulldogs teams, except maybe that sort of first breakout Ben Barber team. But, like, there's a lot of good players on the Titans, man. Yeah, if, I, if, I was, if I was a, a coach, if I was a coach waiting around for a job, it's much I would more have had my eye the on Dragons the Titans. Or the Tigers to me. Yeah, I would have had my eye on the Titans for a while because they've got three <laughs> origin, like, three genuine origin caliber forwards. In Fodawaka, Fasul Malawi, and Fafita, like honestly, that's enough to to build a pack around. You know, yep, 100%. they've got a even if Ben Hunt doesn't come there, they've got Brimson at fullback, who's injury troubled, but when he plays, he's really good. They've got Foreign again, injury troubled, but when he plays, he, he's quite good for them. You've got Tana Boyd, who I think has been yeah. a, a real, I think he's been a real success story for them this year, man. I, I do. I do. It's a position that they can upgrade and they probably will upgrade, but I think Boyd's been serviceable at the very least. Mm. And then you've got Verrills, one of the more underrated Premiership winning hooker, player who's very, very tidy. And they've got 700 wingers and centers as well. Yeah, and they can all do stuff. Like they've dragged Khan Pereira out of the juniors this year and, and, and he's got like the true quickness. Like Phil Sammy's turned into a fucking bone breaker this year. Brian Kelly's having his best year in first grade, you know, they 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 got Jojo for feet waiting in the wings. You know, Aaron shop strikes me as someone who would do very well under Des Hasler's coaching. Like, there's a lot of raw materials. We, we talked there. about Ben Hunt being the missing piece there. And he kind of is. And like, if you get a premiership winning coach in Des Hasler and a premiership caliber halfback in Ben Hunt, like this is, I think it's pretty serious. The first time in a long time. The it's Titans pretty serious. Be a serious, yeah. serious team. So yeah, yeah, it, it's a gamble, but it's one worth taking. I think. So, well, you, you 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 can't knock a team for being ambitious. 
You can't. You know, like I, I know we all laugh at when teams say we want to have two premierships by 2030, but like if you're not aiming high, what's the point of aiming at all? And look, so, hey, if I'm a Titans fan, I'm rather I'd rather this than you know the the inverse, which is when teams sell their fan base on a bullshit rebuild for the seventh season in a row, which yeah, it's just so tedious. So I am yeah. I am interested to see some of the repercussions of this because to me it it does seem like it came out of nowhere. There was no talk, there was no rumors, there was no nothing. And rugby league as a sport is a leaky ship. It's hard to keep secrets. It's hard That's to true. This on. this really blindsided all. This of just it. dropped out of absolutely nowhere. I got the impression from Mal Meninga's comments that even he didn't know it was coming. I think he's there as he's there as a Titans head of culture or whatever. But maybe that that maybe this is a sort of a point of divergence. For the Titans, like there's that this this is a move that will have got people probably in the club offside a little bit. I think Mal's comments are a great indicator of that. But they're going for broke, man. They're going for it all. You know, they're trying to snatch the brass ring and you know get a bit of a lick at it. Don't the Titans get a lick? Don't the Titans get to lick yeah, the brass ring? They absolutely deserve a chance. Um, so let, let's see how they go, man. Can't fault them for can't fault them for trying. All right, can't real, fault them for trying. Let's see how we go. Real quick, Jake Averillo to the Dolphins. Great get. We're Great both big get. fans of him. Um, tough for the Bulldogs. Our, our friend Josh, who's a patron who listens to the show, I woke up to a message just saying, fuck off, all caps. Yeah. And then I yeah, deduced yeah. that it was Jake Averillo signing. Yeah, the two the two, the two, two Bulldogs fans in my life, my brother, Pup, and friend of the show, Neil Desmond, both upset at this move. I think, and I think rightly so, because I think in a pretty crook Bulldogs team this year, Averillo, has been a real success story, you know, in a new position at center. He seems like to be playing a new position every year, made a great fist of it. And he strikes me as one of those blokes who's going to do really, really well the under Dolphins, Wayne Bennett. Man, Herbie, you know? and, Herbie and Avarillo in the centers next year. Good stuff, bro. They ne- needed good. some, they needed some speed and they went and got some. And, and they, I, they, I think, think center is their weakest position probably. So they, they, they needed some guys and they're getting some. So, well, I, I really like this for the Finns because he just seems like the sort who will succeed under Wayne as does another signing they made, Josh Kerr, who's straight into the team. He's playing this week. But that, to me, those are the signings that I, I love seeing the Dolphins make. You know, Getting guys who clearly have a bit of footy about them and just need someone like Wayne to sprinkle the dust on them. And if they're willing to work and if they're willing to put in, which from all accounts, both of them are, I think they could both end up being great signings for, for Redcliffe. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We are going to get out of here, but before we do, a thank you to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com forward slash rookies. You get a bonus podcast every week, which will be coming again a bit later than usual this week. Access to our Discord server, merchandise discounts, uh, and plenty more. So thank you to Chris Avnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Where's Wayno, Alex Sergicomi, Butsy, Cementing the Churn of Ignorance, Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Carlinane, David, Doc Hogg, and Anonymous Backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Give New South Wales no margaritas. They're going to loose you in origin. Horsburgh, Scoresburgh, Jace Felix Farnworth, Jason, Joel Wrigley, Joey, Joe, Joe, Joe Jr., John, Josh Brandon, Kicks Outs Out of the Comp, Lachlan Hancock, Lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Midmore, Matty Jenkins, Maroon Gossard, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins. My name is Matt Bungard, and I love Taylor Swift. My ding, ding, dong is hard, and I'm sad. Never trendy. Pat McManus, Pete Fulcher, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Shunter, Ty, TB, The Black Vegetable, Thor, Tom Hardy, Was, and West Slice Podcast. Thank you so much for your support. To everyone in the lower tiers and everyone who just listens, thank you as well. Forgot to mention it earlier, but next week's chooser for what about this guy? The anonymous backer himself. I want. I, I'm hoping to see him on Sunday, Cowboys man. I'm, I'm hoping he can get off uh, some parental duties and come out to the game. So. Well, do you really think that they'll let him out of witness protection to come to a game like I've this? I've bought him a fake moustache and some big sunglasses, so yeah. I hope so. So I'm, I'm hoping that uh, 
through numerous layers of government informants, we can track him down and pass on a message and get the name of, it'll almost certainly be a cowboy, but get the name of the cowboy that we'll be talking about on what about this guy next week? Fun oh, yeah. team for this purpose. The oh Cowboys. yeah. So many guys. Like, like the, like, the, like the Knights, a lot of, lot of fellas who are fit for this. We purpose. need to bring in Andy Raymond just for next week. Oh, just, bro. Just... Can you imagine? <laughs> Unfiltered. I'll talk, I'll, yes. Um, 60 seconds on the ashes. Cause I want to talk about it and we're not a cricket podcast, but fuck me. How good. Fucking how good, bro. I'm sorry. Jeez, I, had, I had such a spring in my step on Thursday morning Mate. and I felt like everyone I saw at the airport did as well. Oh, sorry. On Wednesday morning, every, like. It, like no matter who you were talking, you just say, "Mate, what about Paddy?" So you, like, you, oh brother, what about him? You experienced the win in the Ashes, and then you also went to the Origin game. Remember the other week when we got asked what's a bigger deal, yep. and you were like, "There's no way it's Ashes," and I said, "A way Ashes was bigger than Origin." No, do you no, feel that was, any? Do you feel any? Different that was about a question to us personally. That wasn't like what's Yeah, but I'm asking has has, has the has the win changed your perception of that at all? No, because that's the no best. Way. That's the best win we've ever had in away Ashes in our lifetime. Uh, it is, it is, but to me, Origin's still better. Yeah, fair. Just, I was literally, I wasn't trying to be a smug yeah. dickhead. I was just, just checking. But yeah, yeah, fuck me, mate. Like, so I, I, I pulled an air mattress out into the living room to watch the game, so don't have to disturb Charlie in the middle of the night. And um, like I think when Carey got out playing the same shot for the third fucking time, just hit it over his head, Alex. Um, <laughs> I think when that happened, I sort of got into like lie down position. And then when Patty hit those two sixes, I sat up like the Undertaker. I was like, oh, hang on. <laughs> Hang on, something special is about to happen, and bloody hell, wasn't that special? Well, I I I did miss it. I I had my flight on Wednesday morning, That's and right, I'm always paranoid about missing flights. So yeah, yeah. it got to tea, and I was like, I got to do the responsible thing here, like a fucking moron. Fine. But you stayed up for it, and our good friend Matt Coleman stayed up for it. And the following morning, I was like, it's good. It's good that we had shooters on the ground. Thank it's you. It's good that two of my two like I, I couldn't watch it, but I had two of my guys. You felt like you were there. Yeah, I it. was like, no, nah, it was good. It was good. Yeah. I was rep- I was represented in the in the yeah, in the mix. when I was watching the highlights the next day. What really struck me about Cummins innings, and this particularly when Broad was how bowling, handsome he is. Well, yeah, that. But like, I thought Broad actually bowled really well. He was putting it right on the stumps, which is what you're meant to do to to a tail ender that can bat a little bit. Just put it on the stumps, wait for him to make a mistake. And Paddy just wouldn't do it, man. Just showed unbelievable composure. You know, I guess that's why it's good that he's so woke. Yes, it means true. he's alert. It pays true. attention. Yeah, he's so woke. He's packed full of no dos, and he's knocking the fucking leather off the it's thing. It's a shame. I like. I know there's a weak gap, and it's kind of like I, I was kind of hoping that the second test would start like tomorrow, and then like on Sunday we'd watch out both our rugby league teams win, and then there'd just be a night of ashes afterwards. It'd be amazing. That's a that's a weapons grade Sunday, bro. Mate, that'd the be the best. I think we get that. Like... I think we get it. Um, we get it the week after when South play the Bulldogs, and I believe you, my, me, and your brother Pup Camp are already going to go to that game. So should come along because that is definitely a night where it's footy into origin. So footy yeah. into ashes, you mean? What oh, fuck's sake. I'm, I'm footy just, into origin. I love which origin player from the thing. other night would be the best cricketer? Um Harry Grant. I think Val Holmes would be a great cricketer. Okay. Like just hand eye coordination. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. He's already a two-sport athlete. So what's one more? What's one more? Yeah, chuck it on the put pot. a grey nickels in his hand. All right, uh, all right. We're gonna get out of here. Um, if you're still here after all that cricket chat, thank you. Uh, just in general. Yeah, long luck. show, guys. But we had a lot to get through. Damn, we did. No, we stops. sure did. It never, never does. All right. Say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, guys. Goodbye, Bertrand. And it's goodbye from me.